Thank you for listening to this teaching from the prayer room. For more teachings, notes, downloads, or to subscribe to our podcast, as well as information about who we are and our upcoming events, visit our website at tprdfw.com. Well, tonight, Developing a Forerunner Culture, this is session nine entitled Prioritizing the Word and Prayer. And I just, I'm filled with so many feelings. This is definitely one of those warm feeling sort of messages for me. This is a, this is a, a message that really, I mean, until we got the prayer room up and going for years and a, a developed eschatology and a developed forerunner uh, theology, I had probably preached on this or taught on this more than I had taught on anything. Uh, and, and I mean, at this point, there's now a number of things that would eclipse that, but this is still one of the subjects that, like, I have taught more Bible studies, more groups, small groups, more, you know, little rowdy whatevers on this subject or some variant of it, maybe than anything, because I believe in it so much. I believe in the power of spending time reading the Bible and developing a real prayer life, the power that that has to transform an individual, to make them love God more, make their heart more tender, make them hear the voice of the Lord better. That was the session we talked on last week. To posture them to be a a better leader, a better friend, a better dad, a better mom, associate. I mean, just everything. Like, this has such the power to transform your life in God and therefore to overflow and to transform your life outwardly. And so what I want to talk about tonight isn't the idea that the Bible's good, you ought to read it a little. Prayer is good, you ought to pray a little. I want to give us permission tonight to get out of balance with how much time we would devote to prayer and in the Word. I have got a history of this myself, and I saw what it did in transforming me, what the course that it set me on, the trajectory of my life. And I'm, uh, I'm just targeting, again, that, that young group in the Lord, whether they're young in age or young in a uh, number of you know, months or years that you've really been passionate about Jesus. I, I want to encourage you, and really even for those that have been in the kingdom a long time but don't ever feel like they experienced a season of passion for Jesus, or right now you're feeling dull and crusty and you're like, I am not passionate for Jesus right now. I'm going through the motions. I know the solution for your life no matter which of those categories you're in. I know the answer. The answer is so simple, it just requires great dedication and sacrifice. It's the Bible and prayer. This is how you get a life in God. This is how you grow in your walk with Jesus. This is how you get a vibrant, burning heart. Again, I don't care if you've known the Lord for a day or you've known him for 30 years. If in this hour you would say, my heart is not burning for Jesus, I know the solution. I know the answer. And so tonight we're going to talk about prioritizing the word and prayer in a significant way. First of all, let's do some sales points here. Let's talk about what the Word is. I believe that the Bible is the single greatest resource on the earth, more important than diamonds. The Bible is the single greatest resource. It's more important than food. You can go to heaven with the Bible, but you can have no food and still be in a lot of trouble. Or you can have all the food in the world and still go to hell. I mean, you have all the diamonds in the world. 
and still go to hell, still, be, still live this life pointlessly, aimlessly. The Word of God is the greatest resource, but it's also probably the most neglected. And when I think neglected, I'm not pointing the finger at lost people. I'm talking about the church. The most valuable resource that has ever been in existence is probably the most neglected resource as well. And I'm looking the way that the church interacts with the greatest tangible, physical, you can touch it, resource, the Bible. It is an unbelievable gift. Just think about this. These are the words of God. He allowed them to be written down so that they could be helpful to us. That is so different than a cookbook. I mean, that is so much better than your favorite novel. These are not words of man. These are words of God directed for the human race. And he wrote them down so we don't have to wonder what he's thinking or what he, what he you know, is about or how his emotions are. We've got the Bible. It is the greatest resource. But you just think about it. If I told you that there was a hidden stash of diamonds, you know, somewhere in the parking lot, you would all be running out there like crazy madmen trying to find it. You'd be stepping on each other trying to find the diamonds because you recognize that that would increase your standard of living significantly if you could find a bunch of diamonds. And yet this is of greater value, eternal and temporal there are plenty of people who have diamonds that are sad and mean. Having diamonds doesn't fix your life. But having the word of God, which is actually at a, a uh, one reach away. Most of you got access to a Bible. You could access it on your phone or, or you know, in your car or it's in your hand already. In one minute, you could have access to it. The greatest single resource in the earth. But because it's so commonplace in our culture, because you probably got a couple of Bibles at home, because it's so normal, we're just so used to hearing it, we have completely lost vision and lost sight of what it is that we're holding. It is the Word of God. That's not a title. It's a description. The Word that came from God, and He gave it to us, that we could hear it and see it and read it and know it and and therefore know him through it. That is a profound revelation. We have a responsibility to know this Bible. We need to know the word of God. It is unthinkable that as believers in Christ, we would have this level of access and this level of illiteracy. That we would not be a people of the word. That we would not know the Bible, love the Bible, eat it, breathe it, sing it, I mean everything it, just devouring the word. It is the most transformative thing on planet earth that you can touch. I am so grateful that we have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that the Trinity together drafted a document on how to be gods, how to belong to God, how to be part of his family, how to be part of his his relational line, part of his way to be like him, to learn what it is that, that he's thinking about, to operate in his emotions. It is so kind that God gave us that invitation. But we're so distracted with so many other things that we've devalued the word of God. And to us, it's just another book. It's just another thing. It's become so ho-hum. And it's tragic. 
because it has transformational power. It is the power to make the heart glad. It is the power to, to shift thinking and perspective, to save, to deliver, to strengthen. There is no greater physical item on the planet than the Bible. And yet we're just kind of like not really giving it a lot of attention. This is the reason we are boring and that we are bored. This is the reason. Because we have not given the word of God that he gave to us to be devoured. We have not given it the attention that it deserves. And so therefore we have not gotten the 10,000 goodies that we were supposed to get out of it. That were supposed to make us more fun. They were supposed to make us more alive. They were supposed to make us more led in life, more clear on decisions, more clear on parameters, more discerning in a dark day. We don't have those things because we've not given ourselves to read the book that he gave us that is the antidote to so much decay and dismay. This is the gift of God. It is our responsibility to know the word. And I just want to say it this way. This is a painful truth. This is just so painful. I wish it weren't so, but it is so painful, and we've got to be confronted with this. You will get out of the Word of God in direct proportion to the amount of time you spend in it. You give the Bible a little attention, you'll get a little out of it. You give the Bible a lot of attention, you will get a tremendous amount out of it, and there's no way to break that system. A little, a little, a lot, a lot. That's all there is to it. I really wish it wasn't that way because we always want cheat codes and shortcuts. And what if I just listen to a bunch of sermons? What if I do this? All those things can be helpful. Nothing will touch your life like spending a tremendous amount of time in the Bible. Nothing. It is a powerful reality. You put a little bit in, you'll touch it. You will touch the things of the age to come. You will feel it. You will have things begin to start clicking in your head. If you do that a little, you'll get a little. Now, a little from God is still awesome, but why would we settle for appetizers? Why would we settle when there's so much more available to us? I know the reason why. Because we are busy and because we don't really believe that the Bible is that big a deal. It actually falls back on us. Again, we're busy, but I'll just say this. If you're really, really, really busy and you're hungry at the same time, you're going to find a way to eat food. You will find a way to prioritize eating food because you're not only busy, you're hungry. Hunger will get people to do crazy things and overcome every single difficulty. The issue is our lack of hunger. And because we're not hungry, we are filling up on all the little things, all the little trinkets, all the things that are unspiritual altogether, and we have no appetite for the Word of God. And so the Word of God sits mostly dusty, unknown. That's just it's painful because there's so much there that the Lord actually wants for us. I'm not talking about good Christians do this. I'm talking about you want your heart alive people do this. You want to know God people do this. You want your life to make more sense, people do this. There's people all the time that are like, I don't understand what I'm supposed to do with my life. I don't, I don't have clarity. This world doesn't make any sense. I, I can fix your problem. Read the Bible more. You will retrain your mind about what matters. You'll retrain your soul about who you are. You'll retrain your thinking about who God is and the way that God interacts. Most of the questions I've ever had about God 
I got answered from the Bible, not from people or preaching. Most of the answers. I didn't need somebody to tell me the answer. The Bible had the answers. Just read the Bible. Man, I want to encourage you to hear this tonight. Get stirred and come up with an obnoxious game plan to go after this, to like do something about this different than I heard the message that was probably true moving on. I want to encourage you to be stirred and come up with a solution to the depravity. Come up with a solution to the gap. Come up with a solution. Every, anything I'm talking about tonight, where it starts to strike you a little bit, I pray that the Holy Spirit would highlight that and speak to you and would not let you go for your own good. That you would turn around and come up with a solution to the problem. Power of the Word, top of page two. Now I'm just going to read you some verses about the Bible that are in the Bible. Some verses that will help us to understand what's going on. I'm sure that one or two or five of these is going to strike you, is going to touch you in a way that you're like, man, I need that. I, I, I know that truth. It's touched me a little bit, but I need a lot more of that in my life. Let me read you some. <clears throat> the Bible is alive. It is a different book. It is a document. When God does anything, it becomes alive. Think about creation. There was nothing, and then God did something, and there was everything, and everything was alive. How did that happen? It came from Mr. Life himself. Well, God's words also have life in them. There's power in those words. The things that God spoke and they're written down in the Bible, there's power to transform. Look what it says, Hebrews 4.12. The word of God is alive and active. You have no other book that is active because no other book was drafted by God. The Word of God is alive, meaning you can interact with it. And it's active, meaning there's stuff about it that actually will work when you apply it. It's active. There's life. There's power. Sharper than any double-edged sword. And it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. What book judges attitudes? It's not a book. It's the Word of God. It's alive. So I don't like to read books. I don't like it. I tried it. I've tried it again and again. I don't like doing it. I think part of the reason for that, I just had this revelation right now as I'm talking, is I got addicted to a book that's alive when I came to Christ. The Bible is the first book I ever really, really read, ever. I came alive because I'm interacting with the book because the book has God's words and it's alive and active in it. And everything else just seemed like, why would I just rather watch the movie? Well, I mean, if, if I'm just going to go through the story, I'd rather be entertained than have to do the work of reading. So I don't like books, but I love the Word of God because it's alive and it's active. It's not a book. It's something different. It's something other than. It's the greatest resource on planet Earth for mankind. Next. It has the power to transform your mind. We live in a dark age. The prince of this age is said to be ruling in it. There's darkness everywhere. We're constantly being bombarded with that darkness. I wish it wasn't true, but it is. There's all sorts of yuck out there in every way. What if there was a way to have your mind 
be renewed and transformed in a way that you were in charge of, not in a spiritual roll the dice, see what happens, maybe my mind will get renewed. What if there was a way you could guarantee that while your mind is getting unnewed, it's getting yuck-nude all day long, all the yuck that's happening is happening to your mind. You have the power, something you can physically do to fix the situation, alter it, and to turn it over. It's called reading the Bible. Look what it says, Romans 12.2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? You just sit and go, mind, be renewed. Ten times out of ten, that will not work. How do you renew your mind? Just think happy thoughts. I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy. That won't fix it either. The Word of God is alive and active in a similar way, all the junk that we're facing in this age because we fight a battle against real dark forces, those dark forces are also alive and active. And they are doing things to your mind. You read the word of God and the word of God transforms you and renews your mind. Part of the reason you're in a funk, part of the reason you see things wrongly, Part of the reason that your emotions are flaring in a negative way, you need to be renewed in mind. And you have the power. God won't do it to you. You have the power. This is the greatest thing ever. This is a mind bath. You can give your mind a bath. And friends, we need it because there's crud on every side. We are getting slimed left and right. But it's not just your mind. Your very spirit and soul, your inner man can get cleansed by the, by the word of God. Now think about this. All the different clutter, all the different media and pain and situations and disappointments and even yuck billboards and statements on people's bumper stickers or the way they treat you in traffic. It's all an ache and ick of this age. It's coming against you. You want your mind renewed. Your mind allows you to take control of your actions. Your mind allows you to process life. Your mind is the first layer of filter for your decisions. You need your mind renewed. You need it washed. But your spirit also needs to get washed. Because your mind can know the truth, and you still feel icky because you got slimed by the stuff in this age, by someone with a really bad attitude by someone that cheated you or wronged you, by some loss that you experienced, your inner man is messed with in addition to your mind needing to be renewed. Renewing your mind is problem one. It still doesn't fix your soul. But what if there was a way to wash the innards as well? What if there was a way to get cleansed in our spirit? Praise the Lord. Here it is. Ephesians 5, 26 through, should say 27, not 17. Make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word to present to himself, her to himself, a radiant church. Think about this. This is Jesus. It's a statement about Jesus that the Bible is here to wash us on the inside so we could grow up into the fullness of our calling and become a radiant church to be presented to Jesus as a bride that's been made spotless. How do we get there? The Bible washing our spirit. How does the Bible wash your spirit? 
it doesn't because you just grab it and use it like soap and rub it all over yourself. It's not an osmosis thing. There is a way to have the word of God wash over your spirit, your soul, your interior, your inner man. We need that part of the reason we feel yucky, we feel mad, we feel sad, feel bad, is because we've got feelings and those feelings need to be washed with the Bible. And the word will wash us clean and help us feel victorious, feel strong, feel able, feel loving. The word of God has power. It's not a book. There's power. And the word of God has power to wash over you, to wash over your soul. Guys, this is essential. This is Christianity 101. Pretend you, you are committed to being a bad Christian, whatever that means. You're just like, no, I'm not going to be a good one. I'm going to be a bad one. Good. For the sake of your own preservation and enjoyment, read the Bible a lot so that your soul feels cleansed. So you don't walk around feeling all emo and angry. Like the Lord can do a work in your soul through the Bible. That's how we get clean. You don't get clean by hearing sermons. You don't get clean by podcasts. You don't get clean by, you get clean by the word of God washing your soul. I just want you to think about what happens if God has designed the system that the word of God washes your soul, but you're not reading the word of God. What is happening to your soul day to day? It's getting dirty. And it feels dirty. It feels clunky and mad sad. Of course it does. You're a Christian. You've got the Holy Spirit living in you. You've got to, you've got to feed the Holy Spirit words of God. You've got to feed the Spirit inside of you in order for that thing to get strong and healthy. And our spirit is tied up in the Holy Spirit. There's a bit of mystery there. You want your interior cleaned. And if you're not giving significant amount of attention to the Bible, you yourself reading the Bible, no wonder there are some things that are out of place in your emotional makeup and, and the way that you're processing and the way that you respond to people. And all of, of course you, of course. It's made to be a shower and you haven't taken one in a while. You stank. You stank. His word is sweet. We know this. How sweet are your words to my taste? The good news is, the word actually, because it's alive and because we've got the Spirit of the Lord living in us, there is a bit of a magnet thing happening. That as we start to read the words, there is something in us, the Holy Spirit, that is causing those words to be received as sweetness. Even though sometimes they're like, really tough. Like, it's like, stop doing this, you dumb dumb. And you're like, oh my gosh, I need to stop doing this. I'm a dumb dumb. But somehow in the process of that, we're hearing God and it's, it's pleasant. It's, it's sweet. His words are sweeter than honey. They're life to us. So I just want to, I want you to think about this. Even as you're like, man, I don't know. I know I need to read the Bible more. I know I need to give my life, you know, give some time to the word. I don't really feel like it. Quote this over yourself and over the Bible. It is sweeter than honey. I'm going to love this. This isn't just going to be good for me. I'm going to like it. You know, these days there's all the rave about raising bees because of all the medicinal purposes and helps you with the allergies and all that stuff. And cool, get some bees, get some honey. I like it. 
I'm grateful for the medicinal value of honey, but I am never, I am never going to eat honey to make me better or fix my allergies. I'm going to eat honey because it's sweet because I like to eat it. So I'm grateful for the byproducts, the, the other components. We want the word to be sweet, and the Lord says it is. His word is a lamp, top of page three. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light to my path. We are living in dark times, and it's getting trickier to figure things out. It's getting more difficult to know right from wrong. I hear conversations all the time. I, I, I heard one here in the last few days, and someone was talking, and they were using so much conventional wisdom, and they were sprinkling in a little bit of Bible concepts, but they were in direct violation to what actual Bible verses say. The word is a lamp. We should know right from wrong, up from down. What does the Bible say? It's a lamp on a path. I was thinking about this earlier in relationship to this picture of a path. It's a narrow road the whole time. It's not like it's a narrow road when we first give our lives to Jesus and then after that it becomes a wide road. It's a narrow road the whole time. So I want you to kind of picture you're on some mountain pass, okay? You're walking. There's a path. And it's like there are a couple of spots where you need to have your back up against the wall as you kind of make that around that little edge, that little ledge there, or you will straight up fall off into oblivion. I want you to imagine that path. You can't ever get off that path and be okay. You can't ever just start looking and pointing and just walk right off that cliff. It's a narrow path the whole way through. How do we know what the path looks like? What is the illumination point to know what our next steps are? The Bible. The Bible is a lamp to our feet. It actually helps us to know how to navigate. But if we don't know what it says, or if it's been a long time since we've read those verses, we've kind of forgotten what it looks like, and we don't have that lamp shining on our path anymore, and we can wind up off course. Because there are plenty of fine-sounding arguments. I, these days, I hear fine-sounding arguments from Christians nearly weekly. Fine-sounding arguments that are in direct opposition to what the Bible says, but they've reasoned themselves in it and sprinkled a little bit of Bible language in there. How will you know? How will you know what the path is? The Word of God defines it. Thank you, God, that you loved us enough to give us a giant flashlight for our path but we can't get that mag light turned on any other way but the Bible. Oh my gosh, there are so many people that are so far off. Do you know how somebody gets so far off? They start a little off. Nobody starts so far off. They take a step outside of the word of God. They start going down a line of truth. That is not what the Bible says. That's not truth. That's made up. That's actually a doctrine of demons. It's actually a lie from hell. Anything that opposes itself against the word of God is a crafty ploy of the enemy to get Christians far off. You don't get far off in a day. You get far off one step at a time. And I believe it's because people aren't reading their Bibles. Because the Bible would self-correct. You'd go... I know everybody says this is right, but like the Bible in 27 places says this is wrong. I know because I've read all those 27 places here in the last year. 
I'm familiar with those 27 places. This is wrong. No, dude, it's right. Everybody's doing it. It's good. I do not care. It's wrong. The Bible is a light to my path. The Bible says left. You're saying right. You're wrong. You're wrong. How would we have that resolve? We could all have it if we knew the word. But even knowing the word in a past season is not the same as knowing the word in this current season. Because that light goes out over time because we just, we're natural to dullness. We're natural, we default on dulling and dulling. We need to constantly turn that light's brightness on again and again. You need to be in the word again and again. It's a lamp to your feet. This will help you know what to do in life. It will keep you from bad decisions. It will keep you from foolish decisions. It will keep you from wasting your life. It's a lamp. I'm going to skip down. It's given us everything for life and godliness. Look at this. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. How? Through our knowledge of Him. Where do we get knowledge of God? We're just smart? I'll tell you what, when I got saved, I didn't know anything about God. I did not understand. I mean, I knew the one thing, He saved me. And I was really grateful for that. But there were a million things about God I did not know. How do we get knowledge about God? We read the Word of God. Well, when we read the Word of God, what does that do? It gives us everything we need for a godly life. Everything we need for a godly life. But you don't get that by just being a Christian, listening to sermons. You've got to be in the Word because it's in the Word that we find truth about Him. Truth about his affections, his emotions. Truth about what he says yea to and what he says nay to. The word of God defines these things. And then we have the ability to live a life godly for him. One of the reasons that so many disciples of Jesus are struggling with godliness, this is not the only reason. But one of the reasons is they do not have everything they need for life and godliness because they've not continued to grow in their knowledge of him. In fact, what they know about him, they've started to put on the shelf. How many believers have you seen this in their life? They came to Christ. They got all fiery. They started making a lot of decisions straight up right by the grace of God. What was going on in their life? They were probably reading their Bible at time. Then later on in life, as they matured, they stopped reading the word and they started compromising on things that when they were a new believer, they were sharp about. How did that happen? Because their knowledge of God is actually faded as opposed to growing. How do you get the knowledge of God? The word of God. It's actually the answer to the question. How do you grow in the knowledge of God? God gave us a book about God that's alive, meaning the Holy Spirit will actually help you read it and help you understand its truths. This is the best deal ever. The one gigantic problem is you and me. We are the problem. God has given us everything we need, but we must read the book. When I first came to know the Lord, I'm going to share some stories because I, I just want I want you provoked. I want you to see what's available in the grace of God. I want you to look at it and go, I want God to do that in my life. I, wanna, I want that. I want half of that. When I came to know the Lord, 
as an 18-year-old in high school, I, uh, I realized really quickly that I didn't know anything about the Bible. I'd been to church like three times in my life. I didn't know anything about the Word. And I was surrounded by, at this point, I'm, I'm at a church, I was surrounded by a bunch of people that grew up in Sunday school, so they'd heard all the stories and all this stuff, and I just felt very behind. And I said, you know what? I am going to fix this problem. I'm going to read the Word a ton. And it started off at an hour a day. Quickly, it was two hours a day. In a very short period of time, it was three hours a day. I got to a point where for a number of years, I was reading the Bible four to six hours a day for years. Why did I do that? Because without being able to articulate this A through J or A through H that I just did, I could feel it. I knew it. I knew it was right. This is why new believers start reading the word a lot. Because it's actually the gift of God to connect them to the source of understanding. It's, it's an early thing. It's not, it's not that they're so smart. It's the grace package of God to give a new believer the understanding that is most essential. Read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible more. And as they do, then they start to figure out a hundred other things. The problem is when that lesson has become a thing of the past or something that we've not yet given ourselves to for whatever our reasoning might be. The Word of God has power to transform. So I started reading the Bible like crazy. Well, in a very short period of time, I watched my level of understanding of who God is I watched my level of understanding of the Bible seeming to surpass all of the peers that had grown up in church for, you know, 15, 20 years they'd been in church. I, I was, and I was shocked by it. And I was trying to figure out what is so different. I don't understand. Like, just a minute ago, I felt behind. And now I feel like these people don't know the Bible at all. I'm not trying to be arrogant. I'm trying to be accurate. I think most Christians in America don't know the Bible at all. And there's a reason we've relied mostly on Bible teaching instead of Bible reading. What the heck? We have completely given up our God-given right, the privilege that we ourselves can know the Word of God. We don't need a priest or a pastor or a small group leader or whoever to be the person that teaches us the Bible, the Holy Spirit will teach us the Bible if you will read it. But if you won't read it, then you won't be taught it. And you'll have to be reliant on the teachings of men that are fallible. You'll have to be reliant on the teachings of men to be the primary point of instruction where God actually made it available. And again, I'm saying it loud, the greatest physical resource on planet Earth available to you started reading the Word. I started seeing crazy things happening. I started to watch my, my life transform and my convictions get strong and my understanding of Bible passages and, and clarity on things. I, I, started, I would start to hear Bible teachings and i go, oh my gosh, that's not accurate. That's not what the Word of God says. And I'd be able to turn there in the middle of the Bible teaching and go, this, the thing that's being said on the microphone right now is the exact opposite of what this Bible passage says. But that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to have the word burning in us that we could know this. I'm going to skip down. I've got so much still to cover. I want to encourage you, if this is something that you're like, you care about this message, it's, it matters to you, I want to encourage you to look at the rest of these uh, Bible verses that we're not looking at right now. 
I'm going to skip down here to um, make an appointment, and you need an action plan. Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. Just want to make it really simple. It needs to be daily. You eat daily. You need to feast on the Word of God daily. It needs to be daily. You're a believer. You're not a lost person. You need the instructions and the strength that the Word of God gives you every single day of your life. You need it. Blessed are those who listen to me watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. Daily. You want to be those that have got that. You need an action plan. What are you going to do when you've got this time slated? You need to actually have a, a time period set. It can't, can't just be, I'm going to sit down and we'll see what happens. That is a plan to fail. In two weeks, I guarantee you, you're not doing anything. You need a plan. Come up with a plan. I want to say come up with an aggressive plan because you're probably only going to actually hit about 80% of whatever plan you come up with. So if you come up with a dumb plan, congratulations, you're only going to do 80% of the dumb plan. Come up with an aggressive plan and hit 80% of that. Are you going to read it? Are you going to study it? Are you going to pray it, sing it, journal it? Are you going to do whatever it? Come up with a plan of how that time in the word is going to be spent. If you have a plan, you will hit that mark way more times. If you have no plan, you are going to fizzle out. Not only that, it'll be aimless when you're doing it and not enjoyable when you're doing it. And eventually that, that feeling is going to cause most people, I mean like pretty darn near everybody, to quit. Because it feels pointless. It feels, what am I doing? I'm not getting anything out of this. Getting anything out of this needs to be removed from our vocabulary related to interacting with the Word of God. We need to take it by faith. This is good. It is sweet for my soul. It is sweet in my mouth. And it will accomplish these hundred things that it will accomplish. Whether I feel it right now or not is ridiculous. That's like taking vitamins. And as soon as you take them, you go, I don't feel like Superman yet. Yeah, you got to take a bunch of vitamins. It's actually going to take a while. And you probably won't quite feel like Superman, but there are going to be some marked differences in your life. That thought process, we need to get rid of, I'm not getting anything out of this. That is, that is such an immature believer thought process. Let's be like those who are mature and go, it's not about what I feel like I'm getting in this moment. It's the revelation that these are the words of God. Now let's pivot and let's talk about cultivating a life of prayer. And the reason I'm I'm pivoting in this way, and I'm, I'm even making these two things distinct. They are far less distinct for me today than they were when I got started. When I got started, I had no revelation that you could pray the Bible. I had no revelation that the Bible was something you could even talk to God about. That's prayer. All I understood was you read the Bible, and then you're also supposed to pray. That was all I understood. And you could start off at worse places. I mean, I, I, I don't, I'm not mad that that was my history in God. But I want to be able to talk about cultivating a life of prayer now because as you learn to cultivate a life of prayer, and once again, it comes down to time. There is no substitute. It's time. As you learn to cultivate a life of prayer, you hear him better. You weep more. You laugh more. You feel his emotions you get, you get that sober thing going more. The more that you develop a life of prayer, the more in tune you are with the Holy Spirit. And this only amplifies your experience when reading the Bible. This makes reading the Bible even better 
even more fun, even more interactive, even more alive and active sort of a thing, is developing a prayer life, a culture of prayer. When I first came to know the Lord, again, I didn't know anything. I just, I heard prayer was good, Bible was good. I'll tell you what, one thing, I mean, I've got a long list, but this is the top of the list. One thing I am so thankful for about the Baptists, they said, pray and read your Bible. Praise God for the Baptists and every Baptist church that says, pray and read your Bible. That is, that is the gift of God in America. That is some of the salt that has preserved America to the point that we're at right now. I know we've got a lot of problems in America, but there's a lot of really big Baptist churches that have said, pray and read your Bible. Praise the Lord for that message. That is wisdom. That is the grace of God in America. Well, I started praying. I didn't know what to pray. I just had a bunch of lists. I didn't know you could talk to God and have an interaction. I just had a bunch of lists. I just prayed for a bunch of stuff. I just, I got a bunch of lists and it'd take me about an hour. And I'd pray through this list every day and it felt pretty boring for a long time until I started to encounter the Lord more. I'd start to pray and instead of only, oh, I'm going to do this, I'd start to feel a little bit of the sweetness of the Spirit when I just sit down to try to pray. Oh, that's, that's a little different. As I'd pray, as time went on, I started to hear little injections, little, little ideas. There were certain things that got highlighted to me. As I'd pray for people, I found my heart connecting to them. Not just, I'm praying for them, Lord, help them, Lord, help them, Lord. I actually found my heart connecting to that thing or that idea or that person or that, that people group. or what. I actually started to feel God in it a little bit. I was like, oh, hey, this is kind of cool. I didn't know I could feel God. I thought it was just like supposed to pray because that's what good Christians do. started to do that for about an hour a day for years. This was before the prayer room. In fact, when the Lord said start a daily prayer meeting, I was really mad because I was like, I already do this and I, I really don't want to have to do this more right now in the season of life. Like I'm already doing some prayer stuff. I already, I've already got a discipline. What I didn't understand was that the Lord had actually allowed me to lay up a little bit of a foundation so that we could start this whole thing. Why does this matter? You want a real relationship with God. And while the Bible will tell you about him, it won't tell you, you won't, you won't know what to do with that. You won't feel that. You won't know how to interact with that. It'll, it'll miss the, the interaction component until you start to develop your prayer life alongside it. Your prayer life will greatly, uh, uh, or greatly add to your experience in the word will greatly add to your understanding. Your prayer life is your connectedness to God. It's, it's what makes everything worthwhile. When you have an actual prayer life, the Word of God makes so much more sense, plus you know you can talk to Him about it. Conversations, passages you don't understand. I don't know what this Bible verse means. This doesn't make any sense to me. This seems dumb. Why did you do this? And very candidly, you talk to God about that, and He starts talking and answering because you're praying. Because you've got an actual prayer life. Cultivating a life of prayer is essential. This is another one of those things that it's like, I think most people in the kingdom in America don't have an actual prayer life. I think they could talk to you a little bit about prayer. Maybe quote a verse or two. It's like, okay, what does your prayer life look like? If that question was asked, I think most people would go, I don't even know what you're talking about. My prayer life? You mean like, you mean like, I'm a Christian? No, what does it look like when you talk to God and God talks back to you? I don't even, we don't do that. 
I, I mean, I go to, go to church and we, we say the prayers. I pray at mealtime. No, no. A prayer life, like an actual conversation, two-way relationship with God. This is what you were saved for. You weren't saved just to get out of hell. You were saved so that you could talk to him. That's prayer. He could talk back. That's the prophetic. The prophetic is the other half of prayer. It happens as we develop a prayer life. Like the Lord really, really wants to do this in our midst. He really wants to do this for every believer. This is another one of those, why are we living bored sort of things. Boredom, so much boredom comes from we've invested in broken systems. We've invested in things that are not going to work. They won't pay out the way that the world has said. The world has said, if you'll do this and you get this, it's told us that that is going to yield something for us of great value in our inner man, and it doesn't work. And as a result, we're then bored and we're, we feel depleted. The Lord wants us to have a vibrant relationship with him, but it's not going to happen if we don't set time aside. Relationships take work. James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Listen, here's the problem. Here, here's where I'm, why I'm hung up. There are a number of you that I am preaching to the choir. You have been in the word for years. You have learned to have an actual prayer life. This building has helped you. It's not been your solution, but it's been a great context to do a lot of it in. A lot of Bible reading, a lot of praying. I mean, it's a house of prayer. I mean, I hope we've been good for something. <clears throat> There's a number of you in this room that have lived this, that you've embodied this, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. But you are the minority in America, in the church. And it shouldn't be that way. That's not a judgment. It's a really unfortunate, imbalanced fact that as believers, we have access to a prayer life, but God won't do it for us. As believers, we have access to the word of God in order to grow in the knowledge of God, but God won't do it for us. We've got to make those decisions ourselves. And as we do, we find fuel and we find the, the, our Holy Spirit moving in our soul in a profound way. James 4.8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Do you know what the opposite of that is? Don't draw near to God. And then you're rolling the dice to see how much God's going to hand out free. And he still does that because he's really nice. But we're talking about little handouts, not feasting meals every day. The word of God gives you a promise. If you will draw near to God, God will draw near back. But what is drawing near take? What does that cost? What does it look like? There's no way around it but time. There is no way around it but time. There's no way. Don't look for another answer. It won't work. It's a shortcut, and it will leave you wanting, just like all the systems that have been set up to, if you do this and this, then this will work, and you'll, you'll feel fulfilled in life. None of them work. The shortcuts don't work either. There is one answer on how you draw near to God. You set aside time. And I want to encourage you, as we began, a little, a little, a lot, a lot. You set aside a significant amount of time to talk to God and to read the word of God, you will be transformed in a powerful way. You will feel the power of God pulsing through you. You will feel something active in your spirit and your mind. You'll feel your soul washed. 
You'll feel that interaction. You'll actually, you'll never be bored again. Because in the middle of line, in whatever situation that you don't want to be in, you could talk to the Lord. And instead of that being a spiritual discipline, that just sounds like a horrible way to live. To live along the lines of spiritual disciplines. It's not about disciplines. It's about an active relationship with God. And when you have that active relationship, I mean, I just think about, like, what if someone referred to talking, me and Amy talking, as my discipline of being a husband to her? You have to talk to her. You must. You must be disciplined to have a conversation with your wife. That's a really good way for me to get slapped. It's a relationship. It's not a discipline. It's a joy. When Amy and I talk, I don't feel like I'm fulfilling my marital duty. We're in a relationship. Of course we talk. We need to start thinking that way about our interaction with the Lord in relationship to the Word of God and prayer. It is not a duty. It's not what good Christians do. It's not a spiritual discipline. We're talking about relationship with a person. And God really wants this in our life. You will not accidentally have a prayer life and you will not accidentally learn the Word of God. You're going to have to make focused decisions. And I just want to say it this way. You're going to have to make sacrificial decisions. Remember I told you earlier that in those early years, I was spending a tremendous amount of time in the Word and in prayer. Do you know what that meant? My social calendar didn't look real full. I had to make decisions. I had to do things like get up early in order to be in the Word of God. Like before I was going to have a long day, I had to get up early to be able to do that. I had to do things like stay up late. I had, to, I had to prioritize. I had to make some decisions. I had to make some changes. Oh, my gosh. It was so kind. I'm so glad I did that because that foundation has helped me forever to see it, to value it, to have the experiential revelation that this stuff that I'm telling you tonight, it's true. I know it. I feel it. I've seen it. And as a result, it's helped me to make priorities and to shift things. It's, it's caused me, as I look at the prayer room, it's caused me to go, when I'm in this room, I don't want to be checking the clock. I don't want to be punching my time clock. I, when I'm in this room, I want to go, oh, I want God. I want to be in the Word. I want to actually be talking to God. I want a prayer life. I, I want to know the Bible. I want these things burning in me. I'm 42. I've been doing this since I was 18. My hunger for these things is greater now than it was then. You just keep feeding it. You keep feeding it. There's decisions that have to be made. It, you can't, this will not happen accidentally. I appreciate that tonight, and for those that will hear this message later, that your hearts are burning a little. I believe that that's happening a little bit right now in this room. That there's a measure of, this is making sense to your heart, not just sense to your mind. I'm grateful for that. It's totally worth nothing if it doesn't turn into an action plan. It's worth nothing. In fact, it will actually callous you. To hear a message like this, agree with it, feel the invitation of the Lord that says, come deeper, draw near to me, and do nothing as a response will make it easier all the rest of your decades to continue to hear messages like this and do nothing. You want to be struck with this in a way where you go, God, help me be begin to prioritize the word and prayer in a significant way. You've got to set some things in place. Set times, set topics, 
set durations, set purpose. You've got to come up with an aggressive plan. Oh, guys, I can't tell you how important this is to your life. This is another one of those messages that's, uh, this has got to be the most important one <laughs> because everything else will flow out of this. Hearing the voice of the Lord we talked about last week, it flows out of this. Fasting, living a life of fasting, you'll have no motivation for fasting if these things aren't at play already. I mean, all the other, all the other ones that we've done that, are, that have the power to transform your life, it's all a package deal that flows out of this one. You've got to make this real in your life. It's not enough that you're a part of a prayer ministry. It's not enough that you hear you know, messages like, we should all pray and fast and die martyrs. It's not enough. You've got to have the living, active word of God operational in your spirit. And it doesn't happen without time invested. I just want to tell you, you will never get what I'm talking about with 15 minutes a day. Never. You will never get there. Never. Hear me. Never. 15 minutes a day for however many years, you still won't get there. You've got to make a significant investment. We need to start talking about prayer and the word in terms of hours, not minutes. Hours of investment. Now, that might sound crazy, but think about it again. The most important resource on the planet. Better than food and money and fame and fortune. Talking to the God who loves you in a relationship. If we're thinking an hour or hours is burdensome, you didn't hear anything I said tonight. It is not burdensome. It is an invitation. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Spend time in my word and I will transform you. I will give you life and joy. I will stir in you. It is not a burden. It is relationship. And it is the absolute best news because I'm so thankful for this point. Christianity is not mysterious. It is so tactile and simple. Read your Bible and pray and you'll be just fine. Stop reading your Bible, stop praying, and your soul, it's, it's days and weeks and months from the last time you had that bath on the inside. And the more that your soul gets that calcified, kind of clunky, junky yuck, the more it mirrors the world. And the more that it mirrors the world, the more that it longs for the world. And the more that it is easily able to keep in step with the ways of the world because it's already looking and feeling and sensing like the world operates. We're supposed to be bright, shining lamps. Not just for others, for our own soul so that the light walks into the darkness and exposes it as darkness. That it's a light under your path. Guys, I am telling you, this is the way forward. This is how another group of 20-year-olds in our midst right now <clears throat> comes alive and gets fiery relationships with God. This is how those that have been in this community for years and years, how you get vitality again because you know the path. You just got to kind of dust it off a little bit. It's really simple. Read the word and pray. Make real-time commitments. And it just so happens, guys, think about this. Now let me, let me give you the most contextual piece. Worship leader, you can come on up. Let me give you the most contextual piece. Do it here. 
We're a house of prayer. God said, start a ministry that's praying and worshiping 24-7. Do it here. You're like, oh, man, it's tough at home, or I, I fall asleep on my couch, or it's a, fine, do it here. I do it here. I do it a lot here. Do it here. You instantly got all of the benefit of not only when you're here do you get to read the word and pray, but you also get to see your friends. You also get a hug or two. You, I'm hugging you. I will hug you. You're going to get that. You're going to get interactions. Not only that, you get the corporate anointing here, which is this beautiful thing that God does where when believers get together, the Holy Spirit just moves a little bit more or a lot of bit more than when we're at home alone as a rule. I'm not saying that John Stokes probably has the craziest moments at home in his yell shack. I understand. But as a rule, for the most of us, when we're at home alone, there is a difference in the way that we interact with the anointing of God when we pray and when we read the word than when we come in this building and we're with other believers that are praying and worshiping, worshiping God. I just want to make this really easy. We already have a house of prayer that God said, call it a house of prayer. It's my house of prayer. Come in and do the thing that we're supposed to do here. Do a lot of Bible reading and a lot of praying in this room. And I'll tell you this, the more you do, the more provoked you'll be to keep praying when you leave. The more provoked you'll be tomorrow morning to have the first words out of your mouth be prayer and talking to God. The more provoked you'll be, in, the more normal the routines will be that when you're washing the dishes, you're praying. That when you're actually in the car, you're meditating on a Bible verse, not because someone told you you had to, but because you love it. Because it's become normal, it's become fuel, it's become life, because the Word of God is alive and active. Don't live bored. It's your fault. And it's a simple solution. Read the word and pray. And don't do it a little, do it a lot. This concludes this teaching from the prayer room. For more resources, please visit our website at tprdfw.com. Thank you.
Starting to notice you are speaking. 